Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning about it all. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? Going pretty good, man. How's it going? It's going pretty good, and we've got a, a really packed episode tonight. Um, we're going to be doing a few topics on um, some NFL discussions, uh, also college football, and you know we're going to be doing some album reviews. In the second half, we're going to have a review of Black Panther, but started off with just thoughts on Aaron Rodgers you know phenomenal comeback lead versus the 49ers and um you know we, we were mentioning it in the last episode you know the, the the game was still going on but this past Sunday night the Packers were able to have a two-point win um uh and Rodgers you know completed two deep passes to Devontae Adams on a last minute drive setting up Mason Crosby's 51-yard field goal on the final play of the game and San Francisco, San Francisco had rallied from 17 points down to take the lead before the finality of the game uh, and Rodgers um has a total of 261 yards and two touchdowns. But what were your thoughts on this comeback from Green Bay and what it means going forward? Because, you know, with 37, 37 seconds left in the game, we've seen it many times where Green Bay has had the confidence that, you know, they have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, mm-hmm. and he was still able to lead them on a very impressive drive to drive to able to uh, close out the game. You know, everybody gives Aaron his praise. In 37 seconds, you don't give Aaron that much time. I like to give mm-hmm. it to Devontae Adams, if he would have never yeah. caught the first pass across the field, they're in a deep cover. Yeah, deep four. So he has to find the space in the middle of the field and catch it. That was an acrobatic catch that he had. What a phenomenal catch by um from my boy, Devontae Adams. And he had the, the next couple catches to lead them up to get the field goal. And Mason Crosby has been in that position multiple times with Green Bay. So mm-hmm. this is not nothing new to him. But I love when people People give Aaron Rodgers his praise. Let's give Devontae Adams his praise. He had three catches on that drive, which led to the field goal. Now, you just look at the entire team, the offensive line blocking really good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know. But I was, <laughs> we know. I was, we know. Yeah, yeah. So 37 <laughs> seconds is definitely a lot of, not a lot of time, especially without Tom Mountain, for them to be able to get into field goal range and be able to give Mason Crosby a fighting chance, man. What a, what a, uh, what a, what a scene it was from the offense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's also one of those games where, you know, when when you're in a position like that, where it's it's you kind of you have a significant lead, then, you know, the team comes back and like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where even though like the Packers are, are you know, are extremely pleased with the fact they won that game? Do you think there's also a, a mentality of there's still some things we have to clean up to be a sharper and more, you know, complete type of NFC team? You know, I don't think so. I think they play the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. I think there were moments of the game where it was just like, uh, but I think both teams saw resiliency, especially the, right. the 49ers on that last drive. A lot of people would think if you never watched football before and you never watched, know who Aaron Rodgers is or the, the Hail Marys, all that good stuff, you would think the 49ers won that game because they that last drive was phenomenal. And then the it score, was. the, the, uh, the, you know, George Little effect, the way that um, yeah. uh, Yuskitz, uh scored the touchdown. Cause you were George, even mentioning George Kittle. George Kittle has the potential to be the I'm greatest you, tight end ever. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Did you see that effect? That touchdown yeah. was because of him. He, the, the, the safety had to uh, bounce out a little bit just to, to, to make sure he was covered so he won't get the outside. And then at least Yuskitz wide open in the middle. And then, you know, the only living lot, fullback, really, in the NFL who's being used for multiple multiple things, he scores the touchdown to give them, give them a head. So, I mean, the last round was, like, picture perfect. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. looked like Jimmy from from the <laughs> Patriot days, you know, yeah. playing play for injured Tom Brady. But I think both teams look really well. It's just who wanted it more, who had the momentum going in. And when you have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams – They've been at it for years. They have that chemistry. They know where each other's going to be, where they want them to want each other to be. So it's just mm-hmm. that chemistry. Both teams look phenomenal. They look good. I, yeah. I have no red flags in this game. I think both teams look good. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now transitioning to Justin Fields' struggles versus the Browns and, and what he can improve on. You know, in this matchup, the Browns were able to win by 20 at home, and it was just a thoroughly dominant performance from Cleveland and especially their defense as Fields was was sacked on back-to-back plays and four times overall. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the struggles, you know, Justin Fields had Justin Fields had in this matchup and just Cleveland's defense dominating throughout? You know what? It is extremely hard for any quarterback. And I don't want to seem like I'm making excuses for Justin Fields, but it's extremely difficult for any quarterback to step back and see Miles Garrett mm-hmm. coming full speed at him, unblocked. <laughs> 
<laughs> and get <laughs> yeah. a smash. He yeah. can't even step up in the pocket. He can't go through his progressions. It's extremely hard for any quarterback to do so. Miles Gear had f- four and a half sacks. Four and a half sacks. That is that's that's insane. That that's is insane. insane. <laughs> that's, that's eating. That's not even yes. eating. That's gorging himself. <laughs> so it's extreme. And he's a rookie quarterback. The yeah. game is still fast for him. He still hasn't slowed the game down. And once you have that type of football player coming at you every single play and getting to you, it's extremely difficult to make throws or go through your progressions. I think. See, see when the game is when the game is faster for these rookie quarterbacks, it always th- takes me back to that moment in the back in the preseason preseason when he was like, the game's kind of slow. But then w- w- when the regular season rolls around, it's just yeah. it's a different story. It's different. Everybody's <laughs> full throttle. Players that didn't play fully are back. The injured players are back who got hurt at camp. Everybody's back. Everybody's fast. He hasn't yeah. seen a Miles Garrett in a long time with Ohio. Yeah. with Ohio State. So you have that guy coming at you. I think now they got the Browns out the way. I think he has a, a slower line seam. The Lions defense is not as strong uh, uh, in their front seven. The secondary is pretty good. But I think he'll have time to go through progressions, read the defense, make good throws, show why he was drafted, why he should get the starting position. But that's that's a that's a tall order for any quarterback to have when a guy has had four and a half sacks. They have, you know, I think, five sacks or six sacks total. So it's extremely difficult. Any quarterback. That's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Warren Moon, Michael Vick. It doesn't matter who the person any was for. Yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think another game that we weren't able to mention the the past Monday night game with with uh, with Dallas and Philadelphia. Dallas, you know, they have a, a dominant uh, twenty point uh, twenty point win. Dak, he, he's looked you know just extremely well coming off of that injury. And then the Eagles, you know, they have major struggles. Like, were, was there any takeaways from that game? Like, did that tell you more about what Dallas was able to do, or maybe what Jalen Hurts and Philly just couldn't pull off? There was a problem with Philly. They were dropping a lot of passes. A lot of Hurts was dropping a lot of wide open passes, mm-hmm. almost touchdown worthy passes. So we, and then you look at the offensive line, they were getting pushed around. Mm-hmm. The read option wasn't working. It just wasn't clicking. And then sometimes Jalen Hurts held the ball too long. He didn't make correct throws. It was just like he said when you take a two, you don't look back at it. <laughs> You keep going. You flush it and keep going. I love that analogy that he had. But it just wasn't in his, their favor it was last night. Dak looked really good. The running game was working for Tony Pollard and Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott. The passing game was there. I mean, CeeDee Lamb looked like CeeDee. Um, the, the offensive line looked, phenom- <laughs> looked phenomenal. Defense looked better. They just had their number. A um, lot better. Diggs, yeah, Diggs looked really, really good. I, I mean, the receiver, Devontae, I mean, not, you know, Devontae fell down on that play, but still, I mean, it was a great interception for a pick six. Front seven looked good. They get a couple of guys back. Parsons going to be moved around. They look, they have some great potential on that defensive, uh, defensive front. But it was just wasn't Eagles day. And, you know, it, it showed Cowboys was, was, they didn't have an answer for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now listening to, to thoughts on Brady's first game back in New England and, you know, this upcoming Sunday night matchup will be Brady's first return to Foxborough since departing New England in free agency following this 2019 season. And um, a win would make Brady the fourth QB with uh, wins against all 32 NFL teams. But w- what are your thoughts on this return matchup and, and just the storied history between him and this franchise as just one of the greatest sports runs we've ever seen? Why are people hyping this up? You know, I saw this. I, 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 like, like, the thing is to me, like, this is not – this is not going to be a great game. No, it's, 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 it's not, not. going to be. Tampa Bay is going to dominate. The only thing about this that, that like that's actually symbolic is the fact that he's coming back to Foxborough. But yes. people are making this like dramatic with Adele singing "Hello." Like this is a return. Like <laughs> almost like this is like LeBron's return to Cleveland when he was in Miami. Like it's not. It's not it's that not deep. Even, yeah, no, it's not even close, bro. <laughs> like like the LeBron return to Cleveland. I mean, that was symbolic. That was that was a moment. Yes, yes, that was definitely a moment. Him coming back and winning Tampa. Yeah, that's okay. That's cool. Tom Brady, yeah. <laughs> I understand he's won multiple championships. He's been there. He's been to Super Bowl appearances. But this I game see... is going to be over by like the midpoint of the season. <laughs> <laughs> it's over already, Well, It's already it's over. They even get their Fox, bro. I see if, if they were like really good or they had, you know, if, you know, if Cam was there game. or something. Yeah, like, but Matt Jones hasn't looked good. The, the running game hasn't looked good. Got rid of Sonny Michelle. The running game is a little – the defense, uh, Stephen Gilmore is out for a couple games. He's on IR. So it's, it's just not a, a, 
uh, eye gazing game. It's, it doesn't yeah. get the eyes. Doesn't look appetizing at all, Wellington. And they're only doing this for the ratings, and nobody's gonna watch this game. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's it, gonna watch this game. It, it, it really isn't because I, I think so, so many times when we see like players return back, like think about when KD returned back to OKC, like that was that was one of those moments where everybody was, was like really amped for, up for it. But I, but I do think that this is one of those games where Tampa Bay is much, it, they're far more superior, obviously. And coming off of a loss, whenever Brady comes off a loss, like I feel sorry for whatever team has to face him. Yes. <laughs> like, like he's going to be yes. in a different type of zone. <laughs> and, and he lost to a good team too. So now yeah. you get to beat up on somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get to beat exactly. up on an inexperienced Mac Jones. You get to beat up an inexperienced secondary. I mean, they're banged up in the secondary too, but you add Richard Sherman to there. Uh, even his battle woes, I think he's still a good leader. I think he still has some abilities left because he's super freaking smart. So this is going to be a <laughs> – this is going to be just – oh, gosh. Stop hyping it up, ESPN. ESPN is the no one hype. doing it. No hype. Yeah. They, they want it, <laughs> but it's not there. Yeah, it's not there. Um, but, but, but you're listening to, to the most in- intriguing week uh, for NFL game. Uh, one that really stands out to me is uh, Cardinals and Rams as, you know, this matchup contains, you know, two prolific passing games and both mm-hmm. are undefeated as, you know, this is going to be an early matchup in the season that could be a slight indicator of, you know, how the NFC elite are ranked. But um, to you kind of like out of the games that you're seeing, what is kind of your most intriguing week four game? Let me let me let me hit you with Carolina versus Dallas. Carolina has the number one defense in multiple yeah. areas. Areas we just seen Dallas demolish the Philadelphia really? Eagles. I want to see if Dak Prescott can go against the best defense. I want to see if the running game can work. I think the running game can work, but I want to see if Dak Prescott can pick apart this this number one defense. And then Carolina's offense is spot on all cylinders. I mean, they they look really good. So I think that's definitely my game of the week. Mm, yeah. It, it, that really is going to be a, an, an intriguing matchup. And um, transitioning to thoughts on the most intriguing week week five college football game, um, like th- th- like this week to me, it kind of has a couple of matchups that that could really turn out to be intriguing with Arkansas Georgia. Like yes. that's one of the main ones that stands out to me because you know these two undefeated teams are both trying to extend their streaks in, in, the, in the SEC as Georgia's defense leads the nation with five point eight points and one hundred eighty one point eight yards allowed per game and then they're going to be tested by a Razorbacks uh, offense averaging 35.8 points um but to you kind of like what is your most intriguing week five week five college football game I got two games but I love I love 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 seeing when top 10 top 15 player teams play against each other so you got Arkansas Georgia two Mm -hmm. prolific running backs in Arkansas that game is going to be phenomenal versus Georgia. I think Georgia has been the best they've been in the past five years. This is the only time I'm super scared to play Georgia this year. Georgia looks so good. Um, yeah. And then the the, the the next game, you, you would think I would say Alabama Ole Miss or Notre Dame Cincinnati. You're going to think I'm crazy well at 10, but I'd say Boston uh, College and Clemson. How can Clemson get ready for next year? Because you have no yeah. pretend – Oh, this, this, is about, this is all about next year now. All about next year. All about showing your new recruits or your 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 commits that you're going to be good next year. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. People who are thinking of signing with you, you're two and two. You're number 25. You just, you know, I want to see what they do, what they come back and make us. This should be a statement game because this is the ACC game. This is a conference game. Make a statement. What are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to turn this around, Dabo? It's hard. It's easy to have when you have good players and you have the right pieces around you. But how can you coach them back and get them back into the to the glory? So that's those are my two games right there. You ever think Alabama will be in that position like one year where they're like just two and two? No, <laughs> I, I can't ever envision like unless Nick Saban is retired. I can't yes. ever envision a scenario where Alabama is in that position. I don't know. Like it's gonna be so hard for them to replace Nick Saban. <laughs> it's gonna be so hard. I don't even know who would even remotely come close. To Nick yeah. Saban's glory and what he did and what he's done for mm-hmm. uh, Alabama, but man, I'll never—they'll never go into it too, unless no. SEC is just like packed full and they're losing. Everybody got good, but I don't, I don't ever foresee that happening. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, just listening to our album reviews and just start off with the first one: Seven Streeters, Drunken Words, Sober Thoughts, and the, in her latest sophomore album, you know, um, she has a lot of features from, from you know including Chris Brown, ASAP Fergie, Lucky Day, Jeremiah, and more. And she delivers both emotionally and vocally on an album that creates just a lot of connection throughout. But what were your thoughts on this album and just the personal growth that she tries to highlight throughout it? Welcome back. Welcome yeah. back. It's been a minute she, since she's been in 
uh, the music game. I mean, she's she's a songwriter. She writes a lot of music for people. But it's been a, I think the last song her hit was with Chris Brown. Don't stop, stop. Ooh. Yeah, that song. I think. Yes. I hope you remember that. That's the last like hit that I've yeah remember. I think this was remember. a vibe. I think this was I think a good a good start to coming back and reintroducing yourself in the music game because you've been behind the scenes for so long. And it's it's hard to try to um, transition back into the limelight because you know a lot of people made their um, debut by being a songwriter, like Pink, like the Pink Sweat guy. He was a he yes. was a writer for years, and then he stepped out, and now he's he has a solidified uh, fan base and you know fame with her. So she's the same way. I think this was a good good reintroduction for people to know. Like I really can sing. I really do. Can I really can mm-hmm. do this? So I think this was a nice little vibe. Yeah, definitely. Were there any like, um, were there any highlights that like, like that, that you kind of particularly had from this album? Ooh, um, there were. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't have. It wasn't like a like. I know I've been like this lately. If if it don't stand out, the first two. It's got to stand out. Yeah, I mean that really is a fair. That really is a fair judgment because it, like it, it, when you look back at an album, there are just some songs like you, you you can just recite and just and just call back to at any point without even really having to put much thought into it. Uh, okay. I, I feel like I'm not doing her justice. Okay. I feel like she stepped out and, and put her neck on people on... Mm, I say nasty girl. Mm-hmm. She stepped out and put her neck on some people. And I think... Mm, that's the, I like, I like Run to and Feels. Feels was dope. Feels was dope. Yeah. It really didn't like... Pull at me. I like. I don't know. I like. Mm, yeah, run to me was. I think in common was good. Liquid courage was really good to me for some yeah. stupid reason. Um, but like, that, I mean, that was a solid closer. I like when I like when I like when artists like when they start off an album strong when they close close out an album strong too. Yes, I mean in the middle. I mean the first. I do think the the intro and the outro is really important. I think, but the body of a paragraph, the body of a, a Westcom, anything you write is the most important because that's the thick yes. of it. But I do like when when they have a strong opening and a strong ending. Um, but I think this was a solid project. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Fills was pretty good. Run to I like Liquid Courage, mm-hmm. Nasty Girl. I didn't really like Wet Dreams or Wet Dreams Interlude. I thought that was interesting. Um, that she put them back to back, and she kind of felt like it deserved an interlude or a prelude. I think you weren't feeling. Cool. If you if you if you can't get Savon to 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 applaud to to give an applause to your <laughs> to your interlude, just ask Bryson Siller. <laughs> <laughs> and I love if he's not if he's, if, if he if he's not gonna do that, he's gonna be like, man, I'm out. <laughs> I love interludes too, bro. I think interludes are the best thing on albums for some reason. I think that's why I love Yeba's Heartbreak. Yeba's yes. Heartbreak was a perfect interlude. I thought I thought I thought it, it just fit the album so well. Yes, and it gave you that breather you needed to like yeah read like think about what you just listened in the first couple like first eight or nine songs which you just listened to, and then he mm-hmm. gets it. To no friends in the industry, no friends and it gets hurt. I'm like, what a oh. way to get back into it. What a way to get back into so it. So like, okay, he gave me oh a little goodness. breather. Like her voice is so amazing. He just gets yes. lost in it and then you hear no friends in the industry. I'm like, oh that song goes hard. That song is so hard. <laughs> but yeah, man, interludes are man. If you utilize interlude the correct way, it just it enhances your album. It, it makes your album flow so well. But I just wasn't mm, then having a wet blown away. Interlude, then the wet rings right afterwards. Maybe you could have, I don't know, maybe split them up and mm-hmm. and give the importance to the wet the interlude because interludes are important. They're yeah. they're very important. They're vital to your album or even even EP. So give them their whole like give them flowers. Let it stand alone. But anyway, I wasn't really feeling that both of those tracks yeah. either. So. Definitely. Um, transitioning to, to to Little Sim, sometimes I might be introvert, and j- just this album being filled with so many technical subtleties and details. Um, this album released earlier in the month was, you know, really a masterclass for any aspiring or established artist to, you know, turn beats and sound into a work of art. And she shows the ability to be able to string together language to form hard hitting bars and transforms from being an artist who can just, you know, rap well to one who can build a narrative. Um, but what were your initial thoughts on this album and it being one where it amplifies? 
messages of empowerment. Because to me, this this really was like a, a very impressive album, like one that I've really gone back and listened to a lot because it's something that I feel like an album I really haven't heard from a lot of other artists. And it, and it was the type of artist, it was the type of album that really kind of got my attention to what she's doing and kind of where her career can go. Bro. Bro, bro. Uh-oh. I was like, who is this? I've never heard of her. <laughs> I've never heard of her. But what I think I like about her, like I'll I'll give I'll give what I like about her. She didn't sound mm-hmm. like the British drill. I I was anticipating to be like, I hate when Drake does. I hate UK drill. I'm going to be completely honest with like you. Like on I, War? Like when he did War? Yeah. He loves he loves that. <laughs> I don't know why he stick. Like that's the one part of, of, of his like repertoire that I want him to just like move away from and never go back to. Bro, seriously, bro. Like I do. <laughs> Yeah, every time I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I can't do UK Drill, bro. I can't. But mm-hmm. I think that was the most important thing for me because I try to, I, what I love about when you do these album reviews, you get people that I've never heard of and I always look for new music. And when mm-hmm. I listened to her music, it just reminded me of like, it was like hip hop to yes. me. Her voice. This was authentic hip hop. Yes. Her voice, her concepts, um, her message behind it, her flow. She didn't like rush anything. She was like a confident her voice. Just like the interludes production. she had on this one were purposeful. Yes. They were yeah, purposeful. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were purposeful. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to get to that. Her interludes yeah. were dope. <laughs> she let them stand alone. Yeah. Because it's what uh, little Q part one, and then the gems, I think, and then. Never, never, never promises, or is it never, never promises, or never make promises? Never make promises in early. Yeah, yeah, never make promises. Those were freaking dope. I think, yeah, they had an incredible message. I love her production is crazy. Every beat, every Kendrick, Kendrick was like, he even said in an interview a couple years ago, this is the artist to watch out for, for for the next like 10 years. Yes, 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 it is. And her, she got, she has bars. She has the melodies. She has everything. It's just a matter of time for people to realize who she is, and she's yeah. going to take off. She reminds me of this artist, artist called I Am Dolce. Mm. I don't know if you know her. I think yeah. we should do. I've, I've, I've heard of them. She's she's signed by five uh, five records. She has this song called um, Black Girl Memoir. Her flow, and she can sing too. She can rap and sing. She reminds me of Little Sims. I, I don't know. We 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 should we should definitely do a um, oh definitely I'm a review on her. But this yeah, this was like you said. This is solid. This is yes. Yeah, this is hip hop. This is what it took me back. It took me back to what hip hop used to sound like. Well, I think Jada can say you know what I'm saying hip hop was DJ turntable microphone. That's all you had, and you mm-hmm. gotta go in. You know his rappy voice. You know. You know, <laughs> <laughs> bro, sometimes I hate listening to Kiss because he he prolongs his words and sentences, and it's like rat raspy, you know, you know, you know, hip hop, and uh, you know, I t- I caught the puff early in that morning. Like it's just like, bro, just get yeah. the story over, bro. But Come no, on. Kiss is a legend. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Kiss is a legend, but yeah, this was hip hop. Little Sims, man, that was yeah, that was that was a phenomenal album, and your interludes were fire too. Yeah. Definitely, um, but 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 transitioning to uh, and now to to Giveon's uh, new single for tonight. This this latest single from him deals with you know enjoying a special mom- moment with someone even though they aren't the right person for him. And we know that he's he's remained a favorite in both pop and R and B circles as his you know just deep and captivating vocals bring in a global audience. But what what were your thoughts on this single and just the subject matter he was addressing in it? I think. It had a different feel to it because you know most of his music is more of like you know it builds up a crescendo type vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, even his first EP after we found out that he was singing on um, Drake's, uh, we were so caught off guard that one night. Like, who, who is this? <laughs> yes, bro. I was like, that man was amazing. Like, I ain't never, it's been a while since I was like, oh wow, like 
Who is that? <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, that's amazing. I'm like, who is it? And you figured it out. You was like, oh, his name is yeah. Gibby. I was like, oh, okay. You know, then I listened to his whole EP, and he has such a, a nice vibe. Most of his music is mellow. He can get up there in you know tempo, but this was more like it. It was a it was a different feel for me. I love the concept, but I got to give it a couple more listens. Um, yeah, but I, I, it's I this one that's got to build over time. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't a bad song because we're. I'm so used to him, like, you know, like being subtle with the singing and not yeah. using. I mean, he still didn't use his range. I feel like he got a different range that he's still holding on to. He's still holding it back. He's still holding I it think, back a little. He's I not fully he giving. Has, it. <laughs> yeah, I think he still has way more in his, his voice to give. Yeah. But I think he's waiting for the. Because you know how I don't know if you watched the show with D Smoke One with the show with. Um, with uh, Chance the Rapper, T.I., and um, with the girl, Bodak Yellow, Cardi B. Cardi B. Oh, show, yeah, yeah. I've seen that show. At the yeah. show, and he, nobody knew D-Smoke could really sing until the last, the last performance. I was like, oh, crap, he can sing? Because he's a rapper already. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap, he can sing? So it's like, he was like, oh, yeah, he won already. Like, he started playing the piano. He was singing. And he yeah. found out later down, Sir is his, his, his uh, brother, his mom used to sing back up for Patty LaBelle, somebody. And then you just realize, oh, I think this is the, that's the same thing. Give me, I think he has so much more. Because he said his voice changed over time and it got to that to that octave. But I think he has way more that he's holding back on. And I'm, that's what I'm waiting for. But this song was. Is good. that what you're wanting to see on his album, like him taking it to another level? Yes, because you know, even Tim, um, she went falsetto on her EP. Like most of her music, yeah. was she never went falsetto, and I was like, oh, okay, falsetto, okay, okay. <laughs> like, give it, it's a surprise. You always don't want to give everything to the audience or to the fans. You always want to have something left over to for right. the next album, for the next opportunity. I think he got, he has something. I might be wrong, but I got a feeling he has another octave in him that he can just kill. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but but now transitioning to our, to our last review and Joyner Lucas and J. Cole's um, Your Heart. And in this latest single released last Friday, uh, Lucas and Cole focus on heartbreaks and how they overcame them. Um, J. Cole, you know, who's always been a lyrical genius, went really in depth with his verse. And the hook of the song is one where Joyner Lucas highlights um, all of his complaints from the relationship he's in. But uh, what were your thoughts on the track? And also, I mean, especially for J. Cole, the increased recent activity uh, of him and with not only this track, but also uh, the Heavens EP, EP one that he just put out. You know what's crazy about this one? I mean, I I already know what to expect from Jonah Lucas. Jonah Lucas, mm-hmm. excuse me. I I like Jonah Lucas music because he's one of the best storytellers yeah. ever, and he's been doing it since uh, for a long time. I, I got on him in, back in like 2015, and he was doing like a suicide story or whatever, and he did both sides, and he tells stories so well that you just can't help but just like you know visualize it. Then he has these music videos that are really dope. And he has these, he has one of the best concepts ever. And then add J. Cole, who's a, a natural storyteller as well. And then it just, this is a, this is a dope song. This is, this is not a song you listen to all the time. Yeah, not a lot. It's, it's an impactful song for you to think. I think they dropped it at the right time because September is a suicide prevention month. And yeah. you just think about all the stuff that leads you to that moment. Relationships are one of the biggest uh, suicide, suicide uh, um, things, you know, people commit suicide for. And yeah. um, I think it was a, a perfect time to drop the song. I think the, the the story behind it was really dope. J. Cole just, you know, slipped his teeth into it. And I love the the music video, how he really was, like, pointing, touching the chest, mm-hmm. like, hey, like, I'm your conscience, bro. <laughs> that so, was yeah, it was, yeah, it was really dope, though. J. Cole went in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, with, with J. Cole and, and obviously, like, uh, there was the moment on the offseason tour back, um, in Miami this past Friday night where, you know, Drake came out and he was essentially saying that, you know, he he feels as though J. Cole, he's not behind him and Kendrick, but he's at the same level. And J. Cole was mentioning that he feels as though, like, Drake and Kendrick are the superstars he has to look up to. Like, when you hear, like, a rapper say that, and obviously, like, those three have always been compared to each other. Like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where it, it's him probably showing, like, credence to those guys or one of those things where he still wants to compete with them, but still acknowledging, like, where he's at maybe in that in that top three list? I think it's so ironic because Wale felt the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. And Wale and J. Cole are really good friends. J. Cole made a song saying, bro, like fans love you. I think it's the same. It's ironic because 
J. Cole never spoke up about how good he was. Not really, yeah. not with numbers or anything like that. He has people and fans speak for him all the time. Nobody talks for him. So when mm-hmm. you come out, I was like, well, I just don't feel like I'm at that level. You're definitely at that level. I think, Drake, I think Drake is topping both of them, to be completely mm-hmm. honest with you, because he's, uh, he, he's, he, he's, he flows across different spectrums and genres of music, and he's able to touch more people because he can do pop, he can do reggae or dancehall, he can do other things to get him into different listening groups. And I think yeah. that's why Drake is breaking so many numbers. But I think J. Cole is up there as well with not being able to move across the spectrums as fluently as Drake or Kendrick. Kendrick as well. So I think when when an artist is doing that, I think he is paying homage to other artists around him. He's understanding, like, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm really good, but I know it's other people who are doing better than me. Mm-hmm. And for Drake to come back, and Drake has done this before. That's why I wasn't really surprised when he gave him his flowers. He did that um, for Hill Drive. Yeah, people yeah, people were like going crazy. I'm like, Drake has done this before. Yeah, he <laughs> He's shown love before. <laughs> yeah. And then after he 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 freestyled, I mean he um he rapped over his beat. I mean Yeah, pipe down. Yeah, pipe down. So I mean he's done Drake has done this before. He it's 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 so many artists. It's a few artists that Drake has done that for. He's done that for Rick Ross. In with the interview for I think it was Fader or something like that. Or Ra- yes, Rap Radar Fader. or whatever. Oh Rap Radar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was saying. Um, sorry, I just got a text message just kind of threw me off. But yeah, he was like, "Oh, Rick Ross is the one most consistent guy. I don't have to worry about sending him something, and I get exactly what I think. I know what I'm gonna get for Rick Ross. He's <laughs> like, I'm not gonna get uh, something come back with auto tune singing on it. Like, what? Come on, like, <laughs> what's going on here? So, I mean, Drake has given his flower, giving flowers shoes, you know, some specific artists, but I wasn't surprised. But J. Cole, you're definitely up there. I think for artists, I think he is paying homage, but he is paying homage to, you know, Kendrick and, and Drake. But he's also letting it be known where no one can talk for him. I'm gonna talk for him too. Definitely. And, and speaking of Rick Ross, he even mentioned recently that him and him and Drake could have a collaborative album coming out pretty soon. Like in terms of collaborative albums w- with artists like Drake, like do you think that's the next one you you would want to hear? Like, because obviously him and Future have done one before, but him and Rick Ross, like they've put out some legendary tracks together. And when and when, when they're on a, a song together, they rarely miss. They, yeah, they, they they don't they don't miss. Uh, it's yeah, all, every song they they could collaborate on, I fell in love with. I love. I think you just it's hard to have that chemistry, mm. and you know what goes. You know, you know, in the back of your mind, you know who you th- think of for a song to just jump on. Like, yeah. I can hear Ross' voice on here, or I can hear a little baby's voice on here because it's more bouncy. But you know, with you know more instruments or something, I can hear Rick Ross. So I think it's very strategic on when they collab, and I think that's the best because you know a lot of people just collab just because or just to do studio, it. Studio. Yeah. yeah, we're in the studio together, or you know, what I'm saying we're in the vicinity, blah blah blah. Hey, let's drop on a track. No, it has to be the most you know opportune time to do so, so it can come out like you know, Lord knows, it's my first mm-hmm. night here. it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) definitely well we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Black Panther review Welcome back to the show. And first of all, we're joined by a special guest, Markel Strong. He's been on, on, on the past a couple of shows, on, on, the, on the past shows for uh, some of our reviews um, that, that we've done, uh, such as Creed 2 and Last Chance You. But thank you so much, Markel, for being back on, man. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. You know, yeah. we always have fun. Yes, sir, definitely. And we're getting into our Black Panther review. And to start with the overview, Black Panther is a 2018 superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. Uh, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by uh, Walt Disney Studios uh, Motion Pictures. And um, it is the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the film was directed by Ryan Coogler, who co-wrote the screenplay with Joe Robert Cole, and it stars Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, alongside Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Donna uh, Guru, and Mar- Martin Freeman, Daniel Kaluuya, Latita Wright, and Winston Duke. Um, you also had Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, and Andy Serkis. And in Black Panther, T'Challa is crowned king of Wakanda, following his father's death, but he is challenged by Killmonger, who plans to abandon the country's isolationist policies and begin a global revolution. Uh, it has a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a budget of $200 million. It also brought in $1.348 billion in the box office and received just numerous accolades, seven nominations at the 91st uh, Academy Awards, including 
the first nomination for Best Picture for a Superhero Film. Um, but to start off, Markel, like, what were your initial thoughts on this film, and has it had the same effect even seeing it in later viewings? Initial disappointment. Yeah. It's like, uh, I watched it a little bit later than everybody else, mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, this is the best superhero movie since blah, 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 since whenever. Then I watched it, I'm like, I already wasn't that good. It was good, but it wasn't as good as everybody said it was. Mm-hmm. And watching it since uh, was August 2020, it's yeah. a lot different. I'm more, um, I'm more appreciative of it. Right. Yeah, because like now, because like this threw him, this threw um, Chadwick in the like main spotlight, major spotlight with everyone. Mm-hmm. So now I respect it a lot more than I did the first time. Yeah, definitely. Um, to you, Savon, kind of like what were your initial thoughts of it, and just kind of how you view it now um, after seeing it uh, uh, numerous times. Yeah, I thought it was really dope, man, to have the depiction of one some a superhero that looked like us, the, the concept of it. I thought it was really dope. Um, the action from the action, from the storyline, from just the improv, the improv stuff, man, I thought was really dope and it still holds on to this day. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and to start off with our first topic, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, Markel, kind of like what would be your particular rating for it and some of your reasons behind it? Three. Okay. Uh, the CGI was a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I was going three. It's three. Yeah, but I got I got something to say to say, Vaughn. I'm. I, I, you got to see me. Like this. This one the first. <laughs> this one the first black superhero. Y'all keep forgetting about Blade. No, I'm just. I saying. knew. I knew who I Blade said, was before I knew who X Men was. Of course, of course. Yeah, but definitely. I'm talking about the so, difference we, between. No, nah, we need we need Blade put respect on Blade's name. Of course. Yeah, if oh, we have no see. blade, if we wouldn't have no blade, we wouldn't have a uh, Black Under, Panther. Understandable, but it's more visually appealing to watch Black Panther. <laughs> than blade, blade, Come thirty on, years bro. old. Of course, exactly. That's what I'm after so long, we finally with CGI, we finally got a black superhero that looks. We don't even need CGI. The CGI was first, terrible. First argument of the show already. <laughs> no, the CGI was pretty good. See, oh, you, I think you've been too harsh on it because the blade. That train fight was terrible. Bro, the, the train fight was it was decent enough. It was good enough. It wasn't it was supposed a decent. to be. Yeah, it wasn't supposed good. to be. You said good enough. That's what they said. Oh, it's good enough for me. <laughs> but it's a lot of movies, CGI of Marvel. The CGI was just straight terrible. Yeah. This is probably one of the worst ones, in my opinion. Oh my god! Because like it was on, it was only two times me watching the movie twice. I was like, this CGI is really not that good. This and Bad Boys too. <laughs> well, no, Bad Boys for Life, for, for Life. My bad, my bad. <laughs> bad Boys for Life was like, it was like it was decent. It was. De- <laughs> oh no, it was a good was movie, trash. but the CGI was terrible. The CGI was yeah. trash. CGI, I was like, they yeah, did this yeah, last minute. They was like, look, we need some, we need some gunfire. What you and got? they did too much with the with the. Uh... With Mike Lowry's character trying to make him, yeah, yeah, they a did, superhero. Yeah, did too much with his. Yeah, he's sixty-five running a four-three. Come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get us off topic because he made me mad. Right, let's go. Yeah, the entanglement, man. The entanglement, man. <laughs> we ain't gonna speak on her because she's making me mad too. Oh, yeah. Acting like Will ain't there. <laughs> you're not in the picture. <laughs> yeah. I saw something that said Will probably shot Tupac. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. I saw that, too. I saw that, too. Hey, it might be some truth in there, too, bro. It might be. I think it's some truth. <laughs> might have a kill. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, but, but Savon, to you, kind of like from one to four stars, what would be your particular rating and some of your reasons? Unlike Markel, I'm going to give it four stars for multiple yeah. reasons. I think for it to branch off and have its own entity of a movie and to stand out and make that big of a noise, not just yeah. not just for the culture, but for Marvel. I think it, it plugged in a lot of things because now it plugged in a lot of storylines for uh, movies to come, like mm-hmm. Infinity War, then Bucky coming and whatever, and then people come, they having the fight there and having, you know, it's just a lot of just plugged into that. So I think this is a four-star 
CGI might not be good on that one. That's true. Uh, but, but, but it was overall, it was a good film. It was a good film. I'll give it four stars. It was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I would go along with four, too. I mean, to, to me, this film, it, it was a seismic moment, not just for Marvel and Disney fans, but really a rare instance of a film pur- purporting itself to be just a cultural movement and succeeding in it. But um, transitioning to favorite character, uh, me personally, I would go with Killmonger because even as a villain, you know, his story is more nuanced than any other villains in the genre. And he really helps to make the film what it is. Um, but to you, Markel, kind of like who is your overall favorite character? Shuri. Easy. Yeah. She witty. She's fun and she's smart. She is. She, her, her, um, her comebacks are hilarious. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, kind of like who was your overall favorite character in this one? T'Challa. What are y'all doing? Here? What are we doing here? T'Challa. It's the answer. You got to be a little different. Yeah. Nah, bro. That, I mean, that's not the obvious answer. It's the only answer. What are we oh, doing here? Only. What are okay. we doing here? T'Challa. The, the, he, he's the one who bridged the gap. His daddy killed his brother, wiped it out of the rug. Then he, he made things right. T'Challa. That's that's what happened in every movie. Yeah, somebody who always gotta do the right thing, though. Yeah, but it's T'Challa. That's what he does. Yeah, T'Challa. Is their name T'Challa? <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> names T'Challa. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go to Africa. There's a lot of T'Challa. That's a uh, a common name, though. You say T'Challa, but they might jump you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> Um, but beginning to most memorable scenes, uh, first I had Killmonger's brazen heist where, you know, Killmonger and Claw steal a Wakanda and artifact from a London museum. Also the M'Baku introdu- introduction scene, uh, Killmonger challenging T'Challa to ritual combat, um, deadly duel, the fight between Killmonger and T'Challa taking place, uh, the car chase scene. Killmonger's dream, uh, T'Challa's return where he proclaims I'm not dead, and then finally uh, Killmonger's death. But to you, Markel, kind of like what were some of the scenes in this one that you feel as though were kind of the most memorable? I can tell you which one ain't. That train <laughs> fight. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's on point the one for the first time ever, for the first time ever in Full Scope history. This is the unmemorable scene. <laughs> Hey, oh. hey, bro, you gotta, hey, you gotta get off the podcast, bro. He's on one. He's on one. I wasn't expecting it. I know it's one eight. <laughs> oh. Hey, oh, my man. goodness. See, let's, okay. That, that's history making. Um, Memorable for me, I'm yeah. always gonna remember when um they froze T'Challa on ice. And uh, they was like, was gonna eat him or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I like that one. Uh, the ending was tough. Well, they um, well, they went to California. Yeah, yep. you know, and they the, the, the kids saw the um, the little plane coming down. That was cool because that's like a little sign of hope, even though he don't know what's going on. There's mm-hmm. some people who live in a not real place coming. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> Um, to, 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 to you, Savon, kind of like what were some of your memorable scenes in, in this one and the ones that kind of like stood out to mo- the most? How do you follow that? Um, that's tough. <laughs> how do you that's a tough that? act to follow. Uh, no, I think when it was uh, Baycat bouncing on the, the hill, the, the whatever that crap was, the little Baycat, um, do, 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 that was a dope scene. Um, oh, yeah. Shoot. When Mbaku came, yo, when Mbaku came out and challenged Westcom, that was a dope scene. I think mm-hmm. when... When um, Wakabi was about to fight, um, I think it was o- um, Okoye or whatever her name is, mm-hmm. and he yeah. was like, "Was you? Was you? You would you kill me, my love?" And he was like, "She was like for Wakanda, no hesitation. That was a dope scene. <laughs> yeah, and she really did love you once. She loved Wakanda. Yeah, but she then, did. Yeah, and then also <laughs> when he you blew the horn and the, the rhinos came out of nowhere and started messing a whole bunch of stuff up, but it was a dope scene. Yeah. Um, transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had uh, "I am your king now" from T'Challa. Also, I would make a a, a great king from uh, Nakia. Uh, you get to decide what kind of king you're going to be from Nakia. Bury me in the ocean, uh, Killmonger, and then finally mm-hmm. Wakanda, for, Wakanda forever. Um, to you, Markel, kind of like what were some of your memorable quotes in this one? Ooh, I picked all immature ones. The real question is, what are those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. How's it going? Don't scare me like that, colonizer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, is this Wakanda? No, it's Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
right, I think I'm good. I think I'm done for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so you say, Von, kind of like what were some of your memorable quotes in this one? Uh, the Hate Auntie one was really good. Um, as you can see, I'm not dead or whatever. I have not yielded was a good one. Emmy said, no, nah, that Emmy <laughs> said, all that talent is over with, huh? <laughs> uh, that was a good one. And then um and oh when he when she blasted him and she was like, he was like, do delete that, delete that, or whatever you said or whatever. Uh and then the Mbaku one, he was like, Oh, wow. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start that food. And that was a good one too. Yeah, uh, let me was... say one my wife wanted. Uh her favorite quote was today we don't fight for any life. We fight for all of them. Ah, oh, that was, that was really I think she was trying to I think she was trying to say all lives matter, but okay. <laughs> Bro, you out of pocket. Bro. <laughs> Bro, Yo, out of pocket. I'm having to reconsider this. <laughs> hey, bro, uh, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, we might have to not get you back over, because <laughs> This might be the last visit. To- <laughs> All right, just edit that part out. I'm going to say about it. <laughs> this is the unedited version. <laughs> yeah, don't, um, don't put this out. I can't have a public office in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All lives better. <laughs> but but getting to to what did you like the most about the storyline? To to me, like the development of all the characters and and even you know the villain just wasn't a villain, but a very understandable part of the story as the acting and writing are just you know top notch. Um, overall, just, just, just here as well. But to you, Markel, kind of like what particular element of this storyline did you kind of like the most? Um, even though like this movie is not really realistic, they had it had yeah. a real twist to it with Killmonger. Like him coming up in the hood and all this and all that, him going to the military, him um him like almost on like a black power like tangent type stuff. Like we see this every day, all day. Then we now we actually sit on the big screen for everybody to see, not just on like certain channels like BET or like Facebook videos or YouTube. It's on like mm-hmm. a national level now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh to you, Savon, kinda like what particular element of this storyline did you kinda like the most? That um you have to break away from tradition. Tradition just because it's tradition doesn't mean it's a is a good one. Mm-hmm. He had to realize that and make things right, make amends for what his father did and what they did. His father did before him. So just because it's a tradition doesn't mean it's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, before we get to the last topic, you know, obviously with the, the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, uh, they, they're having to, to reshape just how they approach the, the next Black Panther film, like. Uh, in terms of like what you guys want to see in the sequel and how they carry this on, you know, with such a tragic passing, like what are some, what, what is a particular thing that you would like to kind of see in the next sequel? Uh, That's a good question. I'll go for, I, I want to see Shuri, uh, whatever her name yeah. is, Sherry, Chevron. Uh, I want to, I want to see her be the face of it. I want to see her take over somehow like they did with, you want to talk about bad CGI, Fast and Furious is bad CGI. It's terrible. They <laughs> <laughs> did. Uh, Paul Walker CGI. That shit was so terrible. That shit wow. was trash. <laughs> Boy, it's so trash. Somewhere, somehow, they got to do that, and she's going to take over and be the, the queen of Wakanda and just, like, take over and have a new direction. But I think that's what I want to see there. Yeah. Mark, yeah, Mar- Mar- I- is there anything you, you would kind of like, like to see in particular? Yeah, I think everybody wants to see her take over. Yeah. Um, I want to see something crazy happen. Like, Killmonger had a son. Mm. And, like, a son he, like, I guess he didn't know about. And, like, something crazy happened. So, like, he's he's a little bit worse than Killmonger. Yeah. And, and, I want to see something crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, Transitioning to our last topic, 10 years from now, like, do you still think this will be a watchful and intriguing movie. Like, obviously, like, the casting in, the, in this in this film was, you know, was, was very impeccable. The, the acting, the, some of the performances that we saw just were were standouts. And this is was definitely a cultural seismic moment that will be remembered for, for many years to come and has lived on just, just uh, particularly well. Uh, to you, Markel, like, what do you think will make this a watchful and intriguing movie another decade from now? The fact Chad Bozeman's in it. Mm. Yeah. And then, um... I will watch it again for the comedy because I think the movie's hilarious. I give him that. But um, I think people's going to come back and watch it for Chadwick. Because, like, now we have kids, what, four and five? They know who he is. Mm-hmm. They're going to watch it when they're a little bit older. 
so I feel like it would be a good movie. It's still a good movie in 10 years to watch. Definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, kind of like, what do you think in particular will, will continue to make this uh, watch more intriguing movie a decade from now? Um, but so to piggyback what he said, just the fact that Chadwick Boseman just did that with having cancer the entire time and being able to betray that. And, and I made a joke. <laughs> I made a joke too early. Now, I'm not going to say the joke. Never mind. But I think just the, the culture. Just going to hold it back. <laughs> when, I, when I found out he had cancer, I was like, hey, that's. <laughs> never mind, bro. I don't want to say it. I feel like you're disrespectful. But um, just the culture, the culture of it, of the black culture that they implemented in different ways and wasn't too too much. It didn't do too much. It did it in the right from the clothing, from the mm-hmm. the, the, the pickup line, the lines or whatever. It just it just flowed well. And then just, yeah, Chadwick Boseman, just respect, out of respect to him. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, four years, man. That's crazy. It really is. And before we close it out, we see Michael B. Jordan in a different type of, of role as as the villain, and that's you know a type of role that we usually don't see him in. Like, was there anything like? Do you guys feel as though like him kind of approaching a different role, like a different type of just image for this movie, was something that maybe like helped to show his versatility? Because like we have seen him in, in sometimes in similar roles, but this was one where we kind of saw a different side of him and one that most people aren't used to seeing. Oh yes, yeah. It's like um, honestly, I I can see him playing back Black Panther from his other roles. The guy mm-hmm. was always, oh, we gotta do it right. We gotta do it the right way. We gotta do it the right way. Right. This dude is like, okay, I'm gonna do it my way. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen him like that. The closest thing we see him do this is like him being on the wire, and he True. still wasn't that yeah. bad. So, this is a a big career change, not career change, change of path for him. Yeah. Say, Savon, like in terms of the image change this was for him in this movie, like do you think, like like Markel was saying, this was kind of a necessary one to, to kind of see him expand in, in the career he's he's taking? Yeah, because I, I think we've we've seen him play different roles, like The Wire. He played yeah. The Wire really good, and then also uh, Hardball when he was younger, and then Fruitville Station um, mm-hmm. was another one we saw. I think this would show his his range of being the ultimate bad guy, the ultimate villain, or not right. being the villain at all. We've seen him in some other films, some buddy films like Awkward Moment with uh, Zach Efron and some other guys. So I think him just gradually expanding his uh, his his range of his acting and his range of movies and genres of movies. But I think this was his best this best portrayal of uh, anything, to be honest. But I think this was the best movie so far that he's ever besides done. The one with Jamie, besides the one with Jamie Foxx, I think that's Mercy. Good. Yeah, yeah, just Mercy was really good as well. Definitely. Well, uh, Markel, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, as, as always, man. And, and just thank you so much for doing this. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I am Hills Winter Burns, along with my kind of part, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>